This podcast episode is brought to you by Paleo Valley's Organic Extra Virgin Olive Oil. Now, we all know that many olive oils are cut with seed oils or that they are rancid, and so it's not always easiest to find a quality and properly sourced olive oil. Yes, in case you didn't know, many store bought olive oils are diluted or blended, compromising both taste and quality, and may even cause rancidity. I'm really glad that Paleo Valley's extra virgin olive oil remains pure and unadulterated, sourced from a single organic valley in Greece. Paleo Valley ensures freshness and nutrient content by packaging their olive oil in dark glass bottles. At a certain point, I stopped using extra virgin olive oil, but once our practice started working with people with chronic inflammatory response syndrome or SIRS, we started recommending it for the reduction of TGF beta 1. It is an immune system marker that shows inflammation both for COVID 19, SIRS, and actually many other illnesses. So if your TGF beta 1 is high, you may want to try incorporating a little bit of extra virgin olive oil. Make sure to check it out. It comes in a two pack package. And remember, All Paleo Valley products are guaranteed with a money back guarantee. Go to paleovalley.com slash nwj to get 15% off your order. Thanks for supporting companies that support this podcast. Hey guys, it's Judy from Nutrition with Judy. Thanks for joining me again today. I hope you guys are having a good week. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Judy Cho and I am a nutritional therapy practitioner. I work with clients to get to root cause healing and oftentimes that is with a meat based elimination diet and healing the gut. All right, so today we are going to talk a little bit about stools. So oftentimes we know that on a meat based diet, our stools will drastically change. The question is what is normal on a carnivore based diet or a meat based diet? That eats primarily meats without any fibers or minimal fibers. So, how often should we go? What does it all mean? I know that there are people in the community that say, hey, if you don't go even three, four, five days, that's okay because it's just showing that your body is absorbing all the nutrients. I can see the logic in that, and that may be true in some regards, but in general, one of the biggest ways our body detoxes a lot of the toxins that can accumulate. Is through stool. So I like my clients to go at least every other day. It doesn't have to be every day. There are a lot of people that don't go every day. So I always assure them, don't worry if you don't go one time a day, that's fine. But at least try to go every other day because you want to make sure that you're eliminating any waste and toxins. And we will still make some even on a meat based diet. Yes, we will not. Have these bulky stools like when we eat a very high fiber diet, but you don't want to be having stools every three. Three is kind of like on the borderline of it's okay.、Um, but you know, every five days or seven days, that is in my book would be considered constipation. So if you're one of my clients, you know about the Bristol stool chart. I talk about it in terms of what is normal with our stools. We really want to be where we have stools that are in the type three and type four range. So type three is sausage shaped with some cracks in surface, type four is sausage or snake like, smooth and soft. These are the indicators of that your stool is normal. You want your stool to look dark brown 
or brownish. You don't want it to be gray or clay. Those colors are oftentimes that you are not absorbing your fat. So you want your stools to sink, which is a good indicator that you are absorbing your fats and you want it to be brown and you don't want it to be too narrow. And I'll talk about some of the details and nuances of differences, but essentially you don't want it to look like pebbles. You don't want it to look like loose stools. All of those are indications that the pebbles are more like constipation. The loose stools are obviously that you are you know, having diarrhea and that you are not absorbing your fats and something is off that your food is either going through quickly through your digestive process or something is just bothering your gut. So let's talk through some of the ways that we can support one, we'll talk about constipation, and then two, we'll talk through loose stools. So if you are falling more on the Bristol stool chart of, you know, the pebbles, um, really small poos, Um, lots of pressure when you have to go. These are all indications that you might be constipated. There are several reasons why this can happen on a meat-based diet. So I will talk through that. I am not talking as if you are eating a standard American diet, you're eating lots of fiber. The reasons for constipation will be very different. Obviously, if you're eating a lot of fiber, that actually can further constipation. So that's just an FYI. Some people do okay with a little bit of fiber, but that again is not part of this discussion. Okay. So the 10 reasons why you may be constipated. Okay. So one, make sure you are hydrating sufficiently. I talk about this in carnivore cure, but there are ideals for drinking water. Now I know that not everyone in the carnivore community agrees with me, but in general, you want to drink about half of your body weight in ounces. So if I weigh 200 pounds, then my average consumption of water should be about a hundred ounces. If I drink diuretics, so coffees, teas, any of those, if I drink eight ounces of coffee, for example, then I should want to drink at least another eight ounces to one and a half times. So 12 ounces of more water to kind of dilute some of those diuretics. So then my total water consumption would be about 108 to 112 ounces of water. You want to make sure and obviously listen to your body. Not everyone feels thirst on a carnivore diet. That is something I notice that I have to remind my clients to drink water. So you may want to just have a reminder, like a stainless steel water bottle that you just remember, okay, I just need to drink about three of these in a day. And then that will get your water uh, consumption out. There are so many reasons why it's so important to hydrate the body It is a way that we detox in the body. So I can do a separate video later about the importance of hydration, but just know that in general, you should at least get close to half of your body weight in ounces. You don't want to guzzle it at once because that will be a tax on your kidneys that has to filtrate through all of the water you're drinking. So you want to kind of drink slow and steady throughout the day. You don't want to drink a lot of water by your meals, but make sure you are hydrating Um, I recommend my clients use a little bit of the Soleil water so that you are also balancing minerals and you are not just depleting yourself of electrolytes. The second one is to drink water away from your meal. So this is where my clients get upset at me because they're like, okay, so you want me to drink like a hundred ounces of water or half of my body weight in ounces of water, but then you don't want me to really drink close to my meal and then a little after and then not a lot in between. So then when can I drink my water? So this is where it does get a little tricky. You know, I see in general, if you can drink like three to four ounces with your meal, you sip it, but generally you don't really want to drink a lot of water right before your meal. And then right after, because you want your acidity of your stomach to be the most acidic as possible. Um, If you think about a pH scale, and if you look at this graphic, you can see 
that our gastric acid or our stomach acid is between one and a half to maybe three pH. And that's when your body will do the most digestion. And we need it to be that acidic so that we can break down our foods and then remove any of the toxins, bacteria, any of the pathogens, so that then it can get into the small intestine to have nutrients be digested and absorbed. And so this is where if you drink a lot of water with your meals, or even coffee, as you can see, it will dilute the pH levels, and you will just be impairing your digestive process. This is where as a side note, that you don't want to be drinking alkaline waters in general. I know that there's a lot of push in the communities now where they say our bodies are so acidic, and that is what's causing disease. But if you think about it, pH level of water is closer to when it's alkaline water, it's closer to 9.08.5. And then we're drinking it when we are eating our food, which our stomach acid needs to be at one and a half, so it can dilute it. And there are some studies that show that when you drink alkaline water, it will keep your pH levels at 0.5 to 1.0 higher than it should be for the next 30 minutes. So if you want to drink the alkaline waters because you feel like your body is too acidic and you believe in all of those things, then drink it away from your meals. I don't care if you do. I think it's a great marketing gimmick. I don't think we need these alkaline waters. We have different pH levels all throughout the body, the urine pH, the the cell pH, the blood pH, and even our stomach acid pH is all different. So how can just drinking water balance all of those in the right ways? There's a graphic in my carnivore cure that talks more about this, but You don't want to be drinking a ton of alkaline water when you are trying to have your stomach be as acidic as possible. And so the safest thing to do is, again, limit your waters around your meals. All right, number three. So if you aren't drinking a lot of water by your meal, some people say, well, I can't get my food down. Well, then the thing is, then obviously we should be chewing more of our bites. So the general kind of ideal rule of thumb is that you are chewing at least 15 to 30 bites for every bite you have. Now, some people find it very ridiculous, but it's ideal for our digestive process. So when we are chewing or we're masticating, we are basically releasing solutes in our mouth. And that's why we um, salivate. We have digestive enzymes even within our mouth. And so when we chew, 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 we are basically breaking down our foods. We're telling our brain, this is the kind of nutrients that are coming down the pipeline. We want to basically make our food as small as possible so that there is less stress on the stomach and then the rest of the small and large intestine to have to break these down. So make sure that you, if you are somebody that just chew, chews and swallows that you don't do that and you try to chew as best as possible so that you don't even need water and that the food is easily digestible to the stomach. All right. Number four, never eat on the go. You know, many of us work at our desk. We work, uh, we eat while we're serving our kids food and we're just standing and eating. We don't want to be doing these things because it, it impairs our digestion. There is a reason why everyone in a lot of cultures, we have this period of like setting the table. It's essentially we're calming the body. Some people do prayers, whatever works for you, but we need to Hey guys, just to let you know, my Carnivore Cure book is back in stock. For nine months, it was out of print and used prices were up to $300. Make sure to get your copy today that has over 200 colored tables and graphics and over 400 pages of meaty goodness. We have a limited supply, so get your copy today on Amazon.com. And if you can leave a review, I'd be super grateful.
rest and relax to best support the digestive process. So I recommend my clients, if they are stressed during the day, they have a busy life, busy work schedule, and they're just kind of eating because they just need to fuel their body. I ask them to just do a few deep breathing exercises to force the body to get into a rest and relax state. And so then they can be better prepared to digest because the digestive process works in a rest and relaxed state. When you eat, when you're stressed or on the go and you're just kind of, you know, shoveling food down your throat, it will impair the digestive process. You may not be breaking down your foods as much, and then it causes a whole stress on your gut. And then this can then lead to constipation. Number five, eating a lot of dairy. A lot of our dairy is pasteurized and homogenized. And I've done several social media posts on this, but if you eat a lot of dairy, and especially when it's processed, it can wreak havoc on our digestive process. It is not the same as eating raw dairy, which has the enzymes that help to break down some of the lactose and all the other antibodies that are support the gut when it's eating raw milk or raw dairy. So what you want is if you notice that you eat, I don't know, like uh, four to six ounces of dairy a day um, in terms of cheese, and you feel constipated, you may want to back off the cheese for a little bit. Now, block cheeses are probably the best type after raw cheeses. So block cheeses don't have as many of the fillers. You just, you know, slice a piece of cheddar cheese and that may be beneficial for you in the future. But for now, if you are having a hard time digesting dairy and just having constipation bloat after having dairy, you may just want to remove it for a little bit and then slowly reintroduce it as you are healing your gut. All right. Number six, if you are eating a lot of processed meats, this can actually cause constipation. This includes sausages, pork rinds, uh, beef sticks, uh, even um, some like string cheese, all of these processed foods, not only do they have fillers and additives, but just the processing itself, because it's not a natural real food, it can cause constipation. There just can be a different ratio in water in the actual food. It's just an imbalance of natural foods that then can further exacerbate constipation. There is a reason why we don't recommend snacking on a meat-based diet. It's because these foods change the kind of desire for eating real foods. And then you may just not be as hungry. So you may just kind of snack on some of these meat sticks and then not eat anything else. And then it can actually worsen constipation. So try to stick to just whole real foods, um, real animal foods and during your meals and see if that will help with your constipation. Okay, number seven, if you are under eating, it may be time that you need to eat more. I see this a lot with my clients where, you know, they eat meat based all of a sudden. And so they are full, they don't feel hangry anymore. They don't have those ups and lows with insulin. And so they feel like they are eating to satiety and they're listening to their bodies and, hey, I don't really feel hungry. So I'm just going to eat 700 calories a day and call it a day. You can do that maybe once a week, if that, but you don't want to do that long-term because you will shut down your metabolic system and slow down your metabolic rate so that then your hormones and your thyroid and your adrenals will all start crashing down. Oftentimes, if you don't eat enough, there's just not enough food to push down the digestive process so that you have an elimination. Ideally, you want to be eating 0.8 grams of protein to one gram of protein per ideal body weight. And that does not mean 0.8 grams of total meat. That means protein within a meat. Let me show you an example. Okay, I grouped this all in one meal. I never recommend doing one meal because, again, that is another tax on the digestive process. You may want to do two to three meals. So especially if you have gut impairment, it will allow your digestive process to eat a little bit, 
But then if it doesn't get a lot of the nutrients that you have another chance to get more nutrients in, you don't have to worry about these cortisol spikes or insulin because a lot of these carnivore keto diets are fast mimicking anyway. So you don't have to worry about that roller coaster. Initially, some people may have to do five meals a day. And in terms of trying to get this amount of calories in their diet, but you don't want to obviously do five meals a day long-term. Ideally, the best is about two to three meals a day, but figure out what works for you. Okay, so in this sample, I just show that basically my ideal weight was at 130 pounds. Then I want to eat between if I'm trying to do the 0.8 grams per ideal body weight. So 0.8 grams times 130, that would put me at about 107 grams of protein. And then the upper end would be 130 grams. So if you look here, this one, this example shows at 117 grams of protein. So what I, if you look at the count of food, it looks like it's about 16 ounces of ribeye or, and four ounces of salmon. So a total of about 20 ounces of meat. And then this also has about four pieces of bacon, three egg yolks. So removing the egg whites helps to lower the protein count and then adding about two tablespoons of uh, fat. So for this example, it's butter. But if you look here, this will then put you at about 76% total fat in terms of calories, but it gets you to about 117 grams of protein, 167 grams of fat, and then your total calorie um, input is about 1900 or 2000 calories. So this is ideal for most days. If you're about 130 pounds, you can go a little less. Again, you could go to closer to 105 grams of protein all the way up to 130 grams of protein. So that's where you should, you know, use this as a general rule of thumb, but you want to make sure that you're at least eating this much. And if you're not, you're probably under eating and you're not getting the nutrients that you need. Again, I don't recommend eating all of that in one sitting. I recommend two to three times. Listen to your body. Obviously, I tell my clients, that you want to hit these numbers on an average. So you don't have to eat this every day. If you eat some days, just 85 grams of protein, that's fine. But on most days that you're actually trying to hit these numbers. Okay. Number eight, are you eating a lot of egg whites? Um, so I have a blog post um, and I'll put it in the show notes. So there are a lot of food sensitivities to egg whites. Um, there is albumin, which 5% of the population is sensitive to. It can actually cause an IgE anaphylactic shock. So those people definitely need to be wary of egg whites and also certain shots that have egg whites in them. But there's also a protein that kind of mixes with the other proteins within eggs, and it is called lysozyme. So that enzyme actually works with other proteins in the egg whites and it causes gut damage. So for many people, actually, egg whites are not ideal. Some people eat a lot of egg whites and they notice constipation. They feel bloat. In actuality, they feel it for all parts of the egg. Make sure to read my egg blog post. It has carnivore-friendly egg recipes and egg loaf. And it also talks about the differences of amber yolks and, you know, what does it mean if your egg is more amber and does that really mean it's better than just a yellow egg yolk? And it doesn't. Um, and, and you'll see why. Um, so if you want to uh, remove eggs, if you feel bloated, you know, always listen to the symptoms of your body. If you just don't feel as well eating eggs, it's time to eliminate them and then wait a couple weeks, eat just your safest foods and then introduce it later. Obviously, sometimes you need some gut supports and gut healing nutrients to then even add those back, but rem remove any culprits and try to identify the culprits that cause you to feel less than ideal. 
But if you are constipated and you are eating a lot of eggs, including the egg whites, it's time that you may want to remove the egg whites. One fun fact that's not in my book or on that blog post is that if you think about eggs, just like with plants, they can't run away from their predators. And so the way that nature is just so amazing, eggs, when they are laid, they can't run away from the predators, but the way they protect themselves is by having toxins or sensitivities for the predator that will eat them. But the way nature protects the egg is that in the egg white, so the outer part of the egg or the embryo, there are sensitivities or toxins or whatever you want to call it that protects the embryo. And so there are a bunch of proteins and all these proteins together cause ailments in the predator. And so the goal is that you stop eating the egg. So knowing that Um, You may just want to remove egg whites um, to see what you can tolerate better. If you are eating raw egg whites, you probably want to cook it. The avidin in the egg whites will bind and not allow you to absorb the biotin. So there's just these really interesting nuances with eggs. But again, from a constipation perspective, if you feel bloat, if you just don't feel well eating egg whites, then you may want to remove it. Number nine, are you getting enough minerals or electrolytes? So we all know that on a meat-based diet, because you're ketogenic and you are not eating a lot of carbs, and so there are not these extra water molecules in your body that hold on to extra electrolytes, oftentimes we feel these electrolyte or mineral imbalances. Oftentimes with my client, I just recommend them starting with some sole water. I have a recipe in a blog post. I also have how I make it in my five-day fasting video. So you can check it out both there. But in sole water, there are 80 minerals. If you leave it overnight, it will unbind. So the minerals will be better absorbable by the body when you are actually drinking them rather than just putting the salt in and then just drinking that water because the minerals are less unbound. So that's why I'm a big fan of the sole water. But if you don't want to do a hair mineral test, you may just want to start out with Soleil water and then see if that helps you. If you are sensitive to salt, that oftentimes is not that you are sensitive to sodium. We actually really need sodium, but it can be an imbalance in your adrenals or your thyroid. Your adrenals manage your hormone, the aldosterone, and that is what determines how much salt will be in your body. That also affects your blood pressure, which is affected by salt. So the easiest hack is to think, okay, well, we'll just reduce salt. But there are studies that show that people that go on a low salt diet, they actually, their health gets worse. So you don't really want to do that, but figure out, you know, are you using your adrenals too much for cortisol use? And so then you don't have the wherewithal for the adrenals to then focus on aldosterone. It's never that we are sensitive to salt. Rarely is it ever that it's usually because something else root cause is not functioning right. So make sure you are getting enough electrolytes. There just isn't a ton of magnesium and potassium and these other minerals in our meats. They're just not really in our soils. And so even plant foods are not the answer for it. Our soil is just really depleted. And so sometimes, especially if you do the hair mineral test, you may have to supplement these specific minerals. And I hate to say this on a carnivore diet, but the reality is our soils are getting depleted. So even if our animals are eating the grass, there's just less um, nutrients in the soil. And then even with our plant foods, so like apples and carrots, they are just becoming more and more depleted of minerals. Number 10, the last one is, are you eating enough fat? 
So I've just talked about, you know, we went through a day of eating and what are ideal macros. So you want to hit about the 70 to 80% macros for fat. Now, not everyone needs to. I noticed that more of my male clients don't need to eat as high fat. They can do the 70, sometimes a little bit lower than that. But for most of the women that I work with, especially if they had any thyroid imbalances, adrenal imbalances, they do better with the higher fat. And we know this by them being able to sleep through the night, their hair is growing back, um, more balanced mood, energy. Um, if they have any thyroid imbalances or they're going through perimenopause and menopause, they're not having as many of the hot flashes at night, they're sleeping through the night. And if they have amenorrhea, they are not having as many missed periods. So these are all the signs that where the fat is really supporting the diet for hormones. If you are eating a meat-based diet and then you notice you're just hungry after even a couple hours later and you just ate a sufficient amount of calories, that is another indicator that you may not be eating enough fat to help with satiety. Oftentimes, fat helps to also just kind of move things along. Yes, it does slow down the digestive process a little bit, so that's why we feel fuller longer. But in general, if you are eating enough fat, it'll kind of help you go as well. And next time I will talk about what happens if you overeat fat and then you actually get loose stools. So if you have tried all of these things and they just don't work and you just need a little bit more support, that is when I recommend a comprehensive stool test. So here is a sample stool test I have my clients take that are having severe gut issues. So even after we take some gut supports, um, even after they clean up their diet and we are, you know, fitting the macros to their needs and they're still having bloat, loose stools, and they're just not feeling well, this is when I try a stool test. So this shows you that you can see if there's any excess bacterial pathogens, parasites, viruses, um, if you have an excess in H. pylori. So this is when you don't have enough stomach acid and then the bacteria H. pylori just kind of overgrows. And then if, um, you know, what are your normal bacteria, the microbiota right here, um, opportunistic bacteria and dysbiosis, uh, potential autoimmune yeast and virus down here as well, parasites, worms, intestinal health in terms of inflammation, immune responses, if you are bleeding in your intestines and you just don't know. And then if you have any of these other areas for like IBS, for example. So this is a test that's really helpful if you are not healing from all the things that I've recommended, and I always recommend this test later down the road, I just don't think it's necessary to pay a lot in the very beginning to get all these tests done because this test is not cheap, but it shows you so much of what's going on in your microbiome and the entire gut digestive process. If you're curious about this test, I will put it in the notes and you can always take a look at it. In the notes, there will be a lot more details as to how to get this stool test what the next steps are, and so on and so forth. I have clients that take a concoction of vitamin C and magnesium citrate and other types of magnesiums and potassiums to kind of help with stools, but they are band-aids and long-term you don't want to be doing it. Oftentimes your large intestine will not do the work to have a bowel movement and you, so you don't want to be relying on these things because it may let you have a bowel movement today, but it will cause you to have constipation in the longer term. So you ideally don't want to be taking it I know it's an uncomfortable process where you kind of have to let your body get constipated even more so that your body starts running on its own. But in the long run, you'll be grateful you did it. All right, guys, I hope that this was helpful in terms of, you know, how often you should be having a bowel movement and what to do when you are constipated. In the next video, I will talk through what to do when you have loose stools. All right, guys, I will talk to you soon. Take care. Make sure to eat a lot of meat. Take care of your bodies because it is the only place you have to live. I will talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to the Nutrition with Judy podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please make sure to leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app so more listeners like you can find the show. If you want more practitioner care and support, head over to nutritionwithjudy.com slash groups so you can get more real talk about carnivore, the environment, and root cause healing. You can also find my content on Nutrition with Judy's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Make sure to sign up for my weekly newsletter and learn more about in-depth articles with infographics at nutritionwithjudy.com slash articles. You can find my two books, Carnivore Cure and the Complete Carnivore Diet for Beginners on carnivorecure.com and amazon.com. At the heart of Nutrition with Judy's practice, our mission lies with a deep, unwavering passion for service and community. We will continue to empower you to have the knowledge and tools to live a life nearly symptom-free because we firmly believe in healing and wellness for all.